Hello. Hello again. Hello. You all set? I'm all set. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Craft Business Life podcast. My name is Lee Solomon. Uh, this podcast is all about um, actors mostly, but also other artists and people from other fields, uh, but mostly actors and uh, about how they do what they do and, you know, advice and balancing it with the rest of your life and everything else. And uh, my guest today uh, has a lot of unique uh, experience uh, that will address all of that and more uh, because she is uh, a little different from um, the other actors I've had on the podcast so far for a variety of reasons. First of all, She's based in Philadelphia as opposed to New York, and a lot of people uh, do know that Philadelphia has a, a lot of um, actors, and we'll talk about how that is. Um, and also, she does uh, a lot of different things, but some of a lot of her main work is in um, the promotional side of the business. So she does QVC infomercials, and she does auto shows. Um, as well as teaching and real estate and other things that diversify her career portfolio overall. So a lot of, lot of cool stuff to get into, and I'm very excited to do so. So uh, Lauren Rooney is my guest. Thank you again so much, Lauren, for coming on. You bet. I'm happy to be here. So um, I just kind of gave a little bit of an overall summary of, of what I know of your, your work so far, but... I always start this uh, by asking what is taking up your life kind of day-to-day right now, what your focus is right now. So are you working on any particular acting projects um, or other aspects of your business, or what? what's your focus at the moment? Sure. So right now is an interesting time because I am seven months pregnant. Congratulations. So <laughs> Thank you. Uh, with my first, and uh, that is taking up quite a bit of my time physically, um, and certainly uh, affects my acting uh, situation as well. So currently, I'd like to say I have two jobs that I'm running. One of them, as you mentioned, is auto shows. We did just wrap up um, the auto show season for this year, and auto show season goes basically from uh, like the school year, like September to um, April, let's say. And uh, I work for a company. Uh, my husband actually also works for the company. And we are uh, product specialists um, for Toyota, actually. Um, so basically, when you go to an auto show, we just had our big last auto show of the season at the Jacob Javits Center up in New York. You know, there are vehicle specialists at each uh, manufacturer, and we do that work. So we get to travel around the country, which is awesome. And uh, we also do some events and local things. So that is that has just wrapped up, but I still do some local events around here. And um, I am also a spokesperson on QVC, as you mentioned. Um, I have a long history at QVC, but currently uh, I started in February with Kim Gravel. Kim Gravel is a amazing woman who has this wonderful brand at QVC. She sells both fashion and beauty. And so I am her, what we call backup guest. So she's the main person who represents the brand. And when she's not able to be on, I go on air to sell her products. Um, and I'm also on her social media and uh, I do social media while she has hour long shows, chat with all the customers, answer questions, all those sorts of things. So it's a 
mix between an at-home job where I do a lot of things here behind the scenes, but also um, on air as well. So uh, we just actually this past Monday had a today's special value, what we call at QVC when they have a big deal for the day. And it was our first beauty today's special value. So we were there for, oh, I think it was 27 or 28 hours in total since it is a 24-hour network. It's a kind of a kooky job. Um, but I love it. I absolutely love it. I have been at QVC in many different capacities for about eight years. And um, I really feel like I've landed in a great spot working with Kim. And uh, yeah, so working with Kim mostly, uh, doing a little bit of my auto show stuff and growing this baby. I also work with an agent here in Philadelphia who I've worked with for many years. And for the most part, I book commercial and industrial and voiceover work through her, which at the moment is a bit of a challenge because I am pregnant. So I actually recently went on a few auditions where they were looking for pregnant women. I like to say my baby had her first audition because they were looking for someone to do an ultrasound. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, which was, I, I kept joking. I think I was a little too um, early on in my pregnancy for it, but uh, I kept joking that if I did book it and I did get an ultrasound on the commercial that I would have to start a bank account for the baby because technically that would have been her first commercial. Right, right. <laughs> um, but aside from those rare opportunities, uh, I've just been doing a lot of voiceover auditions and you know, it's like anything else in this business. You audition and audition and audition and occasionally you book it. <laughs> well, and again, even in everything you just said, you demonstrated a wide variety of types of jobs that you go for. I mean, even voiceover alone is its whole own industry. Um, so yeah. the fact that you also are able to, to, to do that as well is, is great. So we're going to break down all of it because um, you, again, you really you know, as you said to me off the air, you know, you're very driven to succeed um, in the business you've chosen. And there's a lot of different aspects to that business. And you're, you seem to know how to, to uh, pursue all those different angles. And I'm, I'm you know, I, people are going to want to know how. <laughs> so um, let's take one at a time. And the two big ones, the QVC and the auto shows are things I really wanted to get into anyway. So uh, perfect. So let's start with the QVC. Um, okay. You know, obviously, as you just said, you, you've been involved with them for a while, so you really know what's going on. Um, first of all, logistically, as I asked you when we were emailing, because I was curious, I, I had no idea where they do this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You told me that they actually shoot the QVC stuff uh, in Pennsylvania. I believe you said Westchester, Pennsylvania. Is that right? Yes, and for New Yorkers, that can be a little confusing. I always have to say Pennsylvania because right, not Westchester, ever anywhere. popular right Westchester, New York. No, it is in Westchester, Pennsylvania, which is about forty-five minutes outside of Philadelphia. And how far is it from New York City? From New York City, I want to say it's probably about an hour and a half, and okay. there are lots of lots of people who represent brands and do live in New York City. Sure. Now, is that the only place in the country that QVC films, or they film in all different places? Uh, no, that is the main headquarters and the main studio for QVC. US. Wow, I um, had no mm -hmm. idea. Okay. Yep. Uh, very interesting. Now, when I think of QVC, uh, the first thing I think of always is Shark Tank and Laurie Grenier because sure, sure. I love her. She's actually my favorite shark anyway. But um, <laughs> I guess it would be naive to think 
you know, she uses QVC a lot, but she doesn't, like, own it or anything. There's plenty going on at QVC besides her, right, obviously. Oh, absolutely. I think they call her the the queen of QVC. Right. And um, basically, yeah, she it's a vehicle for her. Um, she, I think, I think she started her business. Um, she's an inventor, of course, and started selling things on QVC. And now she has sort of um, a brand, so to speak, of her own. You know, just like my boss, Kim Gravel, has a brand. Kevin O'Leary has a brand, and yeah. there are many things that they that they sell on air, um, and they're there all the time. Kevin was just there the other day while I was there. <laughs> right. Now, I know, and he loves to point out on Shark Tank, you know, Lori's not the only one who can get you on QVC, blah, blah, blah. Right. But, right. So, and just to be clear to set the table, too, QVC is obviously a main or the main, you know, infomercial network. Um there are other big ones too, though, right? Is like Home Shopping Network the big competitor, or so Home Shopping Network or HSN as it's called, which actually shoots down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, their main their main place is down in Florida. Yes, I, I wouldn't call them a competitor though, because recently they um, became under the same umbrella. So oh, the same okay. Corporation owns both of them, and then there are. Uh, many others. Um, there's Evine, which I believe shoots in Minneapolis. Um, and then, you know, a lot of other small ones. But I would definitely say the two big kahunas in the sh- in the home shopping world are QVC and HSN, Home Shopping Network. And you said they're now combined, so they, they really are doing it together. Okay, great. They're, um, they're still separate separate, you know, businesses, but yeah, right. they are under the same umbrella, generally speaking. I, I think it was maybe about a year ago that, that the company... Uh, purchased both, had both under their umbrella. Gotcha. So, uh, I want to, you know, get into a lot of the nuts and bolts. Why don't we start with how you were able to first get involved with QVC, and if there are people out there thinking, oh my God, I would love to be a QVC uh, spokesperson, what if any advice you can give them on if and how that's even possible? (laughs) Right, right. And and I definitely get that question a lot from people. Sure. Um, so my story with QVC, as, as in my story with most things, uh, is a lot of luck, a lot of right place, right time, which, you know, a lot of this business depends on, and also being prepared. I believe that success comes from preparedness along with uh, knowing the right people, reaching out to the right people, and, and, and then, of course, a lot of luck. So when I was still in college, I met uh, a great mentor of mine, a, a, a woman who lives here in Philadelphia and has for many years and works as an actress and voiceovers and teacher. And when I got into college, I took an improv class at the Walnut Street Theater down here in Philly, and I met her. She was my teacher. And Sharon Geller, a little shout out to her. <laughs> and I looked at her, and I looked at her career, and, and I can credit myself, even though I was young, as being someone who was, as you said earlier, very driven and knew what I wanted. And um, Sharon had the kind of career that I wanted. You know, I, obviously everything ebbs and flows and changes as you as you grow. But I, I, she was a working actor. You know, it wasn't all one hundred you know percent Broadway or this or that or the other. But she was a working actor and 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 made a living doing it. And so she actually hired me when I was a, a teenager. I was I guess I was probably nineteen. I think to drive her to QVC and basically be her assistant. Um, and you know, because the hours at QVC are crazy. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week with, with the only exception of Christmas day, it's open all the time. Um, so she would, she would have me bring her to QVC and I would help, help her out 
setting up her, her items that she was selling and, you know, I'd be backstage with her and I would record her airings on VHS tapes. So there I'm dating myself right there. Um, and I just remember being such a college kid. I mean, I wore sweatpants with my hair on top of my head and I slept on every corner of that studio because if she had to wait a few hours to go on air, I just took a nap, you know, because it was four o'clock in the morning or whatever. And so I sort of got to know the studio and the vibe. And, you know, I I just said to myself, I can do this. This is something that I might want to do. So sure enough, as luck would have it, somebody in the green room one day asked Sharon if she knew anyone who was in their 20s with long blonde hair. Because that person represented a brand called Turby Twist, which is the towel for your hair, which had been on QVC for many, many years. And they were looking for a new representative that fit that demographic. And, and Sharon said, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> so she, uh, she asked me if I wanted to do it. And I sent them in a tape. Oh, gosh, I remember making the video. Uh, at this point, I was, let's see, I started at 19 assisting her there. And I want to say I was 25 years old when... Um, I made the tape for the Turby Twist folks. They liked it. They uh, they brought me on board to be their on-air guest, which is my official uh, title at QVC, and, um, and and things got rolling. So as soon as that happens, um, you have to go through a training process at QVC. It's a day-long, actually quite fascinating uh, class that they teach, and you have to pass. You have to go on air, quote-unquote, air quotes there, um, with a host who teaches the class, and... You basically do a faux sell, and they, they record it, and then you kind of review it, and then you go, go again and sort of take the direction. And if you pass the class and they feel that you're ready for on-air, then you're officially part of the uh, on-air guest team. And so I represented the Turby Twist exclusively, I would say, for about two years. It was a very uh, fourth-quarter heavy product. So from October to December, we were quite busy. And quite busy could mean, you know, anywhere from five to 20 or 30 airings. And, um, you know, I was charging per airing. And so I would say I made okay money for that period of time, but it wasn't as if it was a full-time job. So I had to balance that with all the other side gigs, (laughs) you know, that I was doing um, at the time. And uh, after about two years, I started to branch out a little bit. Um, when you are an on-air guest at QVC, you are an expert in a certain category. And at the time, I was an expert in the personal care category, which is what Turby Twist was. So over the next four or five years, I uh, represented a bunch of different products in that category. Um, Hometics and, you know, I brought lots of different products on. And it was fascinating. It was really interesting. And I realized that it used all of the skills that I had as you know, 16-year-old Lauren thought she was going to Broadway. I'm a singer, an actor. I love musical theater. And uh, at that point, QVC and this kind of live television folks world was just really fascinating to me. I like I like the sales aspect of it. I like the communication aspect of it. I love the live TV aspect of it. And um, so, yeah, so I did that for about six years. And then... Uh, in 2017, or I guess it was the end of 2016, um, my agent, the one that I've mentioned about before that gets me commercial work and things like that in the city, she, a casting director reached out and they were looking for someone in the fashion category at QVC. And I, I actually wrote back and I said, I'm sorry, I don't think I'm eligible for this because I'm not in that category. And so they asked me to audition anyway, and I did. 
And it happened to be for a large fashion brand uh, called Sea Wonder, which um, Brad Goreski, actually, of the Fashion Police, used to be the on-air guest for that brand. And he was basically leaving, and they needed someone to fill his shoes here locally, because that's a big aspect. You know, because it's 24 hours, seven days a week, it's not an easy job, which I'll definitely get into in a second. Um, so, yeah, one thing went to another, and I worked for a wonderful company that owned the Sea Wonder brand, went on, went on and... I, it, truth be told, I didn't have any fashion experience really at all. And this company took me under their wing and gave me an immense amount of education on fashion. And I became an expert um, in the in the subject and went on air. I was the main guest for the brand and we sold clothes and shoes and jewelry and handbags. And so my knowledge just became exponential. So for 2017, that was my full-time job. Um, I was just representing the brand they are based, the company was based out of New York, so I would do a, do things up in New York with them, and I would be down here in Philly going to QVC um, regularly uh, representing the brand. Unfortunately, the brand was filtered out of QVC, you know, lots of different reasons that brands come and go. And um, then, like I mentioned before, um, it took about a year, but then Kim Gravel brought me onto her team uh, just a couple months ago. And so I'm back with another fashion brand. We also do beauty. I'm expanding my education and my uh, skill set into beauty, and it's just been such an amazing ride. I love, love, love what I do there. Fantastic. So, you know, I'd say there's a couple of takeaways from that. Uh, you know, one is, first of all, you mentioned that you spent years just being there and observing and being with the person you were helping and so forth. It reminds me of uh, John Bon Jovi's story. He hung out in and swept and did everything he could do just to be in recordings, you know, music studios when he was young. Um, But anyway, so there's that and, of course, the hard work uh, getting in. And also, um, uh, you know, you you have to, of course, not only be someone who works hard and and is going to be able to do what they need, but you have to sue, you know, what they're looking for for the product, which you, you happen right. to, it sounds like. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit um, and what's really involved in this. Because it's funny because I remember once when I was an actor, I went to like a commercial class or a commercial workshop and the, the casting director there said, you know, you need to understand that commercials are not regular acting. It's a whole different thing. And I would say something like QVC, and correct me if I'm wrong, is even more extreme to that end. It has nothing to do with, you know, acting like acting in theater. This is about you being focused on and selling the product, right? I mean, that's it. Yeah, it's well, it's a spokesperson um, right. job. And, right. and truth be told, and, and this is another reason I love working with Kim Gravel, yes, of course we're selling things. But we're also, more than anything, connecting with the audience. And especially mm-hmm. now that social media is so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 have, I feel like I have personal, literally personal relationships with a lot of our fans and our audience members um, through the brand. And, and, you know, it's a place for, the channel itself is a place for someone to turn it on and really feel like they're hanging out with their friends. You know, they know the host, they know us as the owner guests, and, and every now and then you might find something that you really need for your house, or you want to buy for someone for the holidays, or, or whatnot. That's, um, that's really what it's about. So, 
for me, I consider myself a spokesperson first now. Right. When I was younger, of course, an actor, an actor was the main thing. But it's been quite a while since I've quote unquote acted. Um, not that I don't love it. And the greatest thing about this business is you can always go back to it. Yes. Um, you know, I, I certainly can see myself going back to doing some theater, you know, in, in a couple of years or whatnot. Sure. But for now, I love, I love the idea of being a spokesperson. I love the connection. I, I love to talk and I found a way to get paid for it is, is my, <laughs> my MO. That's kind of the, the phrase that I use a lot uh, because it's true. I, I love to connect with people and QVC definitely gives me the opportunity to do that. But kind of touching on what you had asked before too about like the advice for people um, getting into it. One thing I definitely like to drive home is that it's not an easy business to work in. It's right. amazing. It is the best place for me. I love it very, very much, and the people I work with love it, but it is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week business, and um, that means that you will be there at 4 a.m. or for 27 hours or 19 hours Ooh. straight, yeah. you know, and you're not seeing the sun for <laughs> all that period of time. I mean, it sounds harsh, but it's something that I like for people to who are considering maybe wanting to get into this type of business to know that it is it is one of the challenges of of the business. You know, it's what I do best and I love it and I would never want my life to be different, but it does not allow for a ton of flexibility. So, um, yeah, as far as doing other things or being available for other things, it does make it just a little bit tricky. And sometimes it's a full-time job and you can pay all your bills doing it. And a lot of times it's not, a lot of times it's a supplemental sort of thing on the side. So, um, yeah, lots of different things there, but I li- I always like to warn people it is it is not your typical situation <laughs> when you're talking about representing any uh, brands or anything on QVC. No, and again, this is exactly one of the reasons we do this podcast. You know, whether it's working as a background actor for a day on a shoot or anything else, you know, we're trying to show people what the actual reality of the job is, not to discourage them, but just to know this is what you're talking about signing up for. So, um, so yeah, so, so yeah, very interesting. So first of all, let's just say someone who didn't know anybody there and had no connections, but really did feel like you did, like, no, I could do this. I really could be a spokesperson. I get it. And I really think I could do this and I'm willing to do the work and blah, blah, blah. How could they even get started at trying to get their foot in the door? What would they do? And, you know, this is the trickiest thing. People ask about this and they ask about voiceover work a lot. And unfortunately, there's really no cut and dry answer. Yeah. I know that, I know that QVC itself, I believe, um, accepts tapes or videos of um, potential on-air guests. So basically, if you have a product and you want to sell it on QVC, your options for who is going to represent that product are you yourself as the inventor, right, for example, mm-hmm. or perhaps if it's a company, someone that works for the company might might be, you know, eligible to represent that thing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have anyone else and you really don't want to represent the product yourself, that's when at that point you would look for, quote unquote, a hired gun, right, like a right. spokesperson like myself to represent the product. So sometimes QVC aids in that process. And if you were to go onto their website, I believe you can find out where you can send a tape 
and try and connect yourself um, there. But yeah, you know, it's it's again, it's a really almost everyone I've I've talked to, my friends that work there, it's, it's some luck of the draw situation that had happened. Occasionally, uh, casting directors, sometimes out of New York, sometimes out of this area, will come across uh, a person like like I did with Sea Wonder. Right, that company wanted someone to represent the brand, and they happened to go to a local Philadelphia casting director, and that's how I ended up getting into the room, you know, to audition for that. So it's kind of like anything else with this business. It's a bit of luck, and it's a bit of being there. I mean, I I definitely the other. The other way is through people that you know. So, you know, I have a few people who I know that are close to me that would love to work at QVC. And if, if I'm able to connect them with a, a person who's looking for someone, I'm happy to do that because I truly believe, and this is not always the case in this industry, but I truly believe in helping each other, right? We are all in this crazy business together and it really can be crazy sometimes. And, you know, sometimes for me, and I'm in the long game. So if I can help someone that I truly believe can fill the role and is good at it, then I'm happy to do that, even if it's, quote unquote, to my own detriment. You know, Sharon did that for me, my mentor, and I continue to now do that for her. And I believe in if everybody helps each other out and scratches each other's back, then it's it's a much kinder place to be in. So it's not a cut and dry answer, unfortunately. You know, looking looking through castings, occasionally I'll see stuff for castings on casting networks or actors access to the, I'm sure, common places that anybody looking for TV and film work are already kind of privy to. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is, is kind of luck of the draw. And, um, and then, and then once you do maybe have a video submitted, you know, you could hear from them in a month or never hear from them for two years or, or, or whatnot. So it's a bit, it's a bit of a tricky situation. Not, not very cut and dry. No, and as you said, that's often the case in this business, uh, very often. So that's that's a good, honest answer. But um, two two more questions on that. One is, uh, is there any union involvement? Do you have to be in like AFTRA or something to do that, or no? Nope, I'm completely non-union. Okay, and then, and by the way, and I was going to say one of the. One one takeaway, though, from what you were saying for people to keep in mind, too, is it's not about just working for QVC. You have to attach yourself to a particular product that's going to be on. Right. I've actually never worked for QVC. Of right. course you can. Right. And occasionally they hire new hosts. They just hired a bunch of new hosts to uh, to be the actual so when you watch QVC, you almost always see two people on air, the right. host who right. is, is running the show, right. and then the on-air guest who is representing the product. And oh, okay. So that is, a, that is a good point then, to be clear, that there are the QVC hosts who just talk with the on-air guests, and the on-air guests are the ones attached to the particular product. So there you go. Okay. Exactly. So so I I actually work for the brand. Right. I work for QVC. Right. right, exactly. So perhaps it sounds like if you want to be a QVC host, you may be able to look into how they if they accept tapes for that or if they have casting people they work with for that or whatever. Right. They and they do. They have casting people out of New York and um Very they, cool. They've done two rounds of hiring uh recently in the past couple of years. And um, 
I don't know if they're, I haven't heard at this point. Usually it's sure. something that takes a while and it takes them, you know, a good six months of training before they come on air and things like that. So and things are always growing and evolving. QVC has actually three channels, um, QVC main, QVC yeah. two, which just got picked up by the Comcast. Um, so now it's, it's becoming a little bit more mainstream, but it's been an interesting kind of run on and they're both on social media. And then, they did have a channel called Beauty IQ, which is now turning into QVC3, which is going to be more of a streaming platform, um, very, very in its, in its kind of infancy. Um, but it's exciting. It's very cool, and it's, it's fun to watch the business evolve. And, I mean, basically, <laughs> you know, brick-and-mortar stores are, are slowly but surely becoming yeah. a little bit more obsolete. So yeah. we're shopping online, and we're shopping, you know, through different mediums. So it's it's fun to be a part of that world that's sort of figuring out how to get people the things that they need to make their life go well and do it in a way that that's convenient for them. Absolutely. And last question on the QVC front. Uh, can you take us behind the scenes a little bit in terms of the actual, you know, infomercials that you see? Because I have to assume it's one of those things where, you know, you turn it on and, they're talking about the product, and they're demonstrating it, and they're talking to audience members about it, I guess, and this and that, and it would be naive to think that it's at all, like, spontaneous, right? I mean, you guys have everything planned and scripted, and, you know, how does all that work? Actually, it's not, uh, it's not scripted at all. It is really? completely off the cuff. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? So, yeah, absolutely. The reason I the reason I'm surprised and I'm ha- I'm glad to have you correct me. The reason I'm surprised is I guess I would think the product people, you know, would wouldn't want to risk anything going wrong. But yeah, you tell me. Sure. Well, no, I mean, like I said before, the the main the main point of QVC is is well, well com- communication, I like to say. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a sales channel, so we've got things Right. But it's not about really selling them. It's mm. more about connecting with the audience, um, connecting with our viewers. And, you know, w- when you turn on the television, y- you'll see that uh, we have shows just like any other network, right? So there might be a gardening show or there might be a fashion show or, or whatever there is. And, you know, people have their different tastes. If they're interested in, in learning about some garden stuff, then they might watch the garden show or whatnot. And um, so basically, we, we are all... A very, relatively tight-knit community, I would say, yeah. um, you know, as far as the, the people who go on air and all the hosts, I, I know all the hosts very, very well. And every time we go on air with a different product, whether it's for, in our case with fashion, sometimes we do have full hour or two hour shows with just our brand. Other times we go into like a PM style or an AM style, which is just a show um, showing lots of different brands in one fashion show, you know, so you might sell a top from this brand and a pair of pants from that brand or whatnot. Right. And so before we go on air, we always have a, well, we mostly have a little meetup with the host just to say, oh, this is the, this is the shirt I have today. And obviously she knows what we have on, he or she, mostly she in fashion. Um, you know, they know what we have in the show and I know what we have in the show and we come with our, we come with our knowledge base. You know, I, I know the fabrication of the, of the, of the garment and how we want to tell her how to wash it and those sorts of things. But then we just get on air and we just chit chat about it. We talk about what we love about it, where we would wear it. Um, you know, just kind of chat with each other, but also with, with the audience 
members at home. Sometimes they call in, you know, and we can have a chat about what they like, what they don't like. We, we pull that onto social media as well. I'm often on social media, especially when my boss, Kim, is on. And I'm talking with these women in real time, and they're telling me what they like and what they don't like. And that way we can go back to the table and, and bring her things that she needs in her life. That's what it's really about. So, no, there is absolutely no scripting. Um, you're, you're on there essentially with the cameras, and there's a te- television screens in front of you, so you see what's, what's going on. Uh, the live the live television feed and how many minutes you might have until you're done chit chatting about one particular item and and that's it it's it's just it's a big conversation and we have fun and and we sell really great products too so that's kind of a an extra bonus <laughs> amazing well I stand corrected and I'm I'm glad <laughs> you have learned something new that's another reason I do this and that's that's really great that's really impressive very cool um. All right, well, let's switch to the other industry, uh, the auto show industry. Uh, tell us about what's involved in that and how you got started on that one. Sure. So, um, like most actors, I started as a waitress <laughs> way back in the day. Yeah, me too. Through high school and, uh, and, and through college. Um, and honestly, I loved waiting tables. Um, but somewhere along the line, you know, in an attempt to diversify and, again, um, I think I mentioned this before we got uh, on air officially, but, you know, I like to say there are two types of actors, a type A actor and a type B actor. Yes, I was going to ask you to get into this. Yeah, yeah so perfect. Yep. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, generally speaking, you know, just these two types of people. And I like to consider myself a type A actor, and I'm very much a type A person, meaning that, you know, I I want to I wanna own a house, and I want to have a family, and I want I want things out of my life that are quote-unquote a little bit more the normal path, um, which can sometimes be difficult in an industry like this one where you don't have the, I graduate college and I go get a job and I stay at that one job, you know, for however long and I work 50 hours there. That's just not the way this business works. It's very much a gig type lifestyle. So in an effort to diversify my gig life, so to speak, I fell into doing trade show work. Uh, and gosh, it started really just, I mean, I, I have done everything from dress up as a, an elf and hand out coupons to Macy's. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure that a lot of actors are familiar with a lot of this sort of brand ambassador work, which oddly enough, all kind of tied back into my QVC work as well. It's all sure. sales and marketing, yeah. which I then found that I really love and that my skills as an actor really lend themselves towards. So I started doing some trade work. I um, found out about the auto show industry through friends that I worked with. Again, scratching each other's backs, helping each other out. That's what it's all about, really, truly. We all need to be here for each other. And that's happened to me in every industry time and time again. And I I truly try to do my best to pay it back to people as well because I think that that's really important. And so, yeah, I've I've met a few people. Um, A friend of mine in that industry got actually – my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, he said, hey, you know, I, I work for this auto show thing. Do you want to be a brand ambassador? You know, you can stay in my hotel room out in Harrisburg and, and, and work this, this Harrisburg auto show with me as a, as a brand ambassador. So kind of him. I mean, to go, um, giving him a little shout out too. <laughs> yeah. um, so kind of him to, to, again, and he does this for a lot of people. And you see, the people who are most successful are the people who, give back and help others and really, and really do that. So he got us into that world as brand ambassadors. Um, 
And then I quickly found out that there were a few different um, marketing companies or, or agencies, really, uh, including Productions Plus, which is the agency that I work for. There's a few other agencies as well. And they essentially staff these vehicle specialists for various brands. And the way that that works is, again, it's a sort of a, a um, school season, right? So around this time, around the springtime, is when they're doing their hiring for the following year. And um, you interview, you know, you send in a tape, you interview, you do the whole the whole nine yards. Productionsplus.com is a great uh, resource to check out for that if you're interested in doing brand ambassador work or vehicle specialist work. And, uh, yeah, I started almost right away. My husband and I did a few brand ambassador jobs for the auto show circuit. And that was right around the springtime. Gosh, I guess we're talking about five or six years ago, five years perhaps. And uh, I interviewed and auditioned and they thankfully brought me onto the team. And essentially then I'm a part of, uh, I'm a part of the Toyota manufacturers team. So they train us every year, um, usually on the West Coast. I believe we're switching it to Texas this year. And we learn all about the vehicles. So we are just get a, an intense week-long training every summer. And we learn everything there is to know about vehicles. Again, I didn't really, I mean, beyond being a vehicle owner and operator myself, I didn't really know anything about vehicles. And, you know, it just goes to show you that when you're a good communicator, which many of us as actors are because that is ultimately what we are taught through school and, and everything that we do. That you, if you're smart enough and you're a good communicator, you can learn to be educated about anything and then use that communication to, you know, through sales and marketing to help people understand. So when people come to an auto show, you know, they want to know things, they have questions about the vehicles and we are charged with knowing as much as we can possibly know about, about all the vehicles. And so I started that first year. My husband joined the team the following year and uh, we've been working with them. And it's, it's a really cool job. Again, I, I would not call it full time. It's, it's, it's a bit of a gig, um, but and it's flexible. You know, the company's really cool about being flexible and, and, and work, they work with a lot of actors and models and musicians and things like that. So, Again, for me, as far as that's concerned, I like to say I run my business in a very professional manner. Something that gets really hard, and I might be diverting a little bit here, but something that gets really hard in this industry is the fact that we are all gigging all the time. So you are you are not just going to succeed if you're a talented actor. You have to be a talented actor who's also driven, who's also responsible for your calendar, response, you know, responsible to the people that you make commitments to. And you're not going to get very far unless you are someone that can balance your calendar really well and, and keep your priorities straight. So I very much prioritize certain things in my life. And, I, you know, I like to say I, I run my business above board. I don't pull wool over people's eyes. I don't tell my agent available unless I'm actually available. I don't cancel out of gigs that I've already, you know, confirmed that I'm going to be there. Um, it can be hard. Sometimes it can, sometimes in this industry, it can be hard to book too many things at one time than it is to be sitting at home twiddling your thumbs without anything to do because, you know, there, it's very easy to burn bridges and, and sort of, um, you know, ruin your, your, your place in, in certain industries. So it can be a challenge, but if you have it in you to balance all of that and be a good, representative of the different brands that you do, you can 
you know, you can make a, a great living working a flexible schedule and doing what I ultimately think, you know, was what I was meant to be here to do, which is to communicate. Um, maybe not as a Broadway actress at this moment, but in a different way that really does fulfill me and still pays the bills. Well, so that's not a diversion. That's, again, exactly what we're talking about. Remember, this podcast is called Craft Business Life for a reason. It's about literally how you balance all three of those things. And uh, everything you were just saying is exactly on point on that. So um, let's break that down a little bit more. And, uh, of course, I completely agree with you about you really need to be reliable and and show the people that you're you're working with and for that you're not uh, you're not a flake, so to speak. Exactly. Um, and there's a lot of that. Listen. Yeah, there you is. Know, yeah. As much as this business is difficult to break into, to stay into, gigs are hard to book. And yes, it is true. And sometimes it can be very frustrating. But there are a lot of people out there that don't respect the gig lifestyle and don't treat it well. And listen. At the end of the day, somebody told me this way back, I think I was still in high school, the cream rises to the top. If you are someone that is respectable and, you know, and, and just respects people's time and is honest and true, you're, you know, you may pass by that $10,000 commercial gig because you committed to something else and that is painful. But at the end of the day, if you run your business, what I like to call above board, with open communication, it's going to end up better for you in the long run and you're not going to burn bridges because that is such a huge part of this industry. Yeah, and like everything, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But um, so in terms of the auto show stuff, first of all, we'll post uh, that that resource and anything else you want to share um, in the episode notes. Was What was that, Productions Plus? Yes, Productions Plus is the agency that I go through, and great. it's a great, um, great agency. Lots of they're, they're crazy busy. They do lots of different things, but it's a great agency, you know. And like anything else, um, they're you know auditioning and, and accepting new faces for both brand ambassador work and uh, as well as uh, the vehicle specialist work and things like that. And it's it's a, it's a great place to work for. Um, yeah, so I would definitely say that's, that's a resource for people to go out to and maybe submit themselves if they'd like to get into, in, into that industry. Yeah. So I just want to delve into that a little bit more. So, cause you even got me kind of a little excited about it. So, um, first of all, uh, you answered one question I was going to ask, which is, do you have to be a car expert going in? And it sounds like, no, they're going to train you on that part. Cause you said they do a whole training. Obviously I'm sure it helps to know a little going in, but don't worry if you don't know everything about cars when you get hired, right? So we're talking a lot about the spokesperson industry. I like to say this, both that and QVC fall under spokesperson. And one tip that I can definitely give to anyone who wants to craft themselves as a spokesperson is Mm -hmm. to find your brand. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but there, and honestly, I'm talking to a lot of people mostly who I work with at the auto show who are actors in lots of different capacities. Some of them have these great budding film careers and live out in LA or, you know, act. um, Some of them take time off to be on Broadway. So we've got such a span of, of, of people who are crafting their, their life in a certain way, just like you said. So um, what's interesting is that brand has a lot to do with, with things these days. And so if you are someone that has an interest or a hobby in anything other than, 
strictly acting. Right. Maybe you're a car enthusiast because your grandfather built cars and you built cars with him. Like, expand on that. Maybe you're really into cooking or you're really into gardening or you're really into fashion. If there's another aspect of your life that is a is even a small interest of yours, build on that. You know, maybe it's it's health and fitness or, or whatnot. Build on that. Take some classes in that. Educate yourself in that because that's going to help you if you were, for example, to be someone listening that's trying to make it in theater or, or music or whatever, and you happen to have a little bit of vehicle interest or knowledge or maybe you're just a gearhead, then yeah, that's going to make you that much more attractive to a company like this. Or if you're like a real fashionista on the side, you just love clothes, you love shopping, that's something that you can definitely um, build upon. And if you were to enter the world of QVC or home shopping in some way, that's something to really put forward there. You know, that's what they want to know. Do you have any kind of education in those things? That being said, my brand is, I always like to say my brand is, an, is a lifestyle expert, which <laughs> I love and I hate at the same time because it's a very broad range. But, you know, one thing I always wanted to be since I was a little girl was a jack of all trades. I'm interested in so many different things and I love to learn. And so I would not consider myself a gearhead, but now that I've had this job, I've definitely done the work and interested, you know, and, and educated myself in the world of vehicles. And it's fascinating to me. So if you're someone that really likes to soak up all that kind of thing as well, then yeah, there's a place for you for sure. But any niche that you have, that's one big tip for me, any niche that you have or interest or hobby, expand upon that, make that part of your brand. And, and that can definitely lead you places in the spokes world. Makes perfect sense. And of course, in anything in acting and life in general, you know, the more rich a regular life you have the more interesting an actor you're going to be anyway but um so okay so uh they're going to train you you know but obviously you're going to want to try to learn and know things um but other than the let's just stick with the auto show stuff for another moment uh, other than the actual technical knowledge of the vehicles that you're going to be taught um what are some qualities you think they're looking for? If, you're, if my goal is to get hired to be a spokesperson at these auto shows like you and your husband are, you know, what advice would you give me? What would you say are important qualities that the, the hiring agency would be looking for for that job? Sure. So one thing you will notice if you walked onto an auto show floor is we are all not too bad to look at. <laughs> I'm just gonna I wasn't. I wasn't going to say it, but there you go. I was thinking. We are all it. Not too bad to look at. Okay, that that doesn't. You know, I'm actually another huge passion of mine is um, body diversity and health at every size and right. uh, and and things like that. So I'm not talking about everyone has to be a six foot tall, super skinny model. You know, right. that's absolutely gorgeous. But we are all. Um, decent-looking human beings. But let's face it, most actors are, <laughs> okay? So, you know, that, that's one thing that I will, I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat or anything. It's definitely, sure. we, all, we are all presentable people, right? Because we are the face of the brand. So sure. we are, um, we, we have certain guidelines. Our wardrobes are, are provided for us by the company um, mm -hmm. that they, they choose what we wear, and it's all very, very nice. I mean, my husband has a whole closet full of beautiful Hugo Boss suits, and we're all very, very groomed. Um, and, they, and I'm sorry, you're saying 
those wardrobe items, those suits and everything are provided to you? Yes, they are. Amazing. Okay, yes, great. So we always look, but we're responsible for making sure that they fit us perfectly. Of and course, they're always dry cleaned and they're pressed. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a very, it's not the kind of job where you roll out of bed and, no. and you know, can expect to be good. You know, like, of course. We, uh, we, as women, we have to have a full face of makeup. And, um, you know, it takes me a good hour to get myself auto show presentable gotcha. <laughs> because we, we, people come to the auto show to learn about, uh, you know, um, vehicles, but also it's a show, right? They're there to be greeted and to be, yeah. um, you know, welcomed into the display and we have games and things for them to play and things like that. So certainly knowledge, certainly not hard to look at. Okay. That's, that's an aspect about it. Yeah. And just generally a friendly person. I mean, for me personally, it's always my goal at every auto show to greet every consumer that comes into the display. I just want them to, or even events that we do. We do events here for all the local sports teams in Philadelphia. And, you know, I want someone to walk into our display and to remember that I cared to say hello, that I cared to greet their child, you know, and maybe get their child a, a little present or something and just make them feel comfortable and let them know that, you know, please sit in the cars, ask us any questions that you'd like. Some of them I have amazing conversations with, and we're just there, again, the same thing with QVC, just to chit-chat and kind of create that human connection. So that's a big part of that as well. So being a good communicator, being someone who's willing to learn. We also have ongoing education. So, yes, to go back to your question about do they train you, yes, we take quizzes and tests every every month. I mean, we know everything about the vehicles inside and out to the best of our ability. And then, of course, we carry iPads that have even more information. So we are able to be your resource for everything. Um, yeah. And then another aspect to it is we do um, narrations on some of the newer vehicles. So not the entire team, but there are certain, um, certain of, some of us who get on the microphone. My husband has a beautiful speaking voice, and he is one of our big-time narrators who gets up and does a bit of a presentation on the vehicle. So on the microphone, you know, again, off the cuff, just educated about the vehicle and talking to the, the, the consumers about the vehicle and the new things that we have coming out for the for this season or whatnot. So there's a little bit of that to it too, a little bit of presentation. And if you were to send in a video to Production Plus, they would ask you to do both. Doesn't mean you have to be a great presenter. There are definitely people who do more of the one-on-one -on -one situation. But we have a lot of it. And then we even go so far sometimes as to be media trained and do interviews with local news stations and, and things like that. Again, we're the face of the brand. So whatever that means um, in that aspect is we represent the brand and, you know, we, we put it in its best light possible. Makes sense to me. Sounds, sounds pretty great. And uh, last question on that. Um, you mentioned, uh, I think... Uh, I remember whether it was off or on the air, but, you know, you mentioned about the flexibility and, and the season and everything. But you also mentioned, I believe, that if you do want to do it a lot and you get hired to be on this trade show team, um, you get to travel to different parts of the country throughout the season and do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, right. I mean, we, we've been to... Lots of parts of California. Um, the, the team is the team is actually spread throughout the country. So mm -hmm. we have people who a lot of people live in LA, a lot of people live in New York. Mm -hmm. There's a handful of us that live here in Philly. There's people in Atlanta. There's people in Detroit. There's people in Chicago. So it's fun. We have this. I think there's about a hundred and twenty of us on our specific team, 
And um, we're just all such great friends. They actually, at, in New York, just threw me a surprise little baby shower. Wow. They all collected the money and got me a gift card. It's just, we're all such great friends. And it's, it's amazing to have friends from all over the country. And then, yeah, so essentially, the way that it works for us, and I'm sure every team is different and, you know, trade shows are all different. But, yeah, basically, we get our schedule for either the full season or half the season at a time. So we'll know, you know, maybe by September, let's say, August or September, we'll know which shows we're scheduled to go to through the end of the calendar year, through December. So, uh, for example, this past year, um, I did the local Delaware show, which is local for me. Um, My husband and I both went out and did the Las Vegas show, where his sister happens to live, and it's over Thanksgiving, so it's perfect. The company flies us out. We do the Las Vegas show. We get to visit with family. Um, and then, gosh, I've done like, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, things like that. Then we get into the, the following, um, part of the season, January through April. And gosh, where have I been this year? I was in Boston. Um, we just did the New York Auto Show, which is a 10 day show, um, staying right, right there in Midtown Manhattan, which is lovely. Um, my husband has been all over every part of Ohio, you know, I mean, we've been to, Places both big and small. We we actually, my husband and I collect magnets from every city that we go to. So our fridge is filled with all the magnets that we've uh, from the from the cities that we visited. So yeah, it's it's a very cool job. I very much enjoy it. I love the people I work with. I happen to love the brand that I represent. I own two Toyotas myself, <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a it's a great. It's a great place. And then as far as flexibility goes, you know, you're I'm I'm having a baby this year, obviously, so. I've already told the company that I'm probably going to pare down a little bit on my schedule, so I might not go as hard. My husband's going to keep his full-time schedule and still travel as much as he's uh, able to, but I'm going to, you know, go back a little bit on it um, just because the the new baby coming in. And so, you know, probably stay a little bit more local and just, you know, the company's really great. They they, they work with us as actors and it's, it's just a great place to work. It sounds amazing. It really does. And uh, that's all very, very cool. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about Philadelphia in general. You know, as I mentioned, you uh, have lived there pretty much your whole life, if I'm not mistaken. And yep. uh, you've been able to base your career living there as well, as we've been saying. So what would you say, you know, I know it's a broad question, but about life in Philadelphia, both in general and for people who are trying to be in, in the acting type businesses. Sure. Um, so so I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm Philadelphia born and raised, and I'm a big fan. There you go. <laughs> I'm definitely a big fan. My, my husband's originally from upstate New York, but when I met him, he lived in Queens, and he was doing the, the New York hustle. Um, and, uh, I am, I'm a big proponent of Philadelphia. I can safely say he's, he's pretty much a big proponent of Philadelphia now, although he's still a, a Buffalo Bills fan, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, 16 year old Lauren thought for sure that I would be moving up to New York as soon as I had the opportunity. And I applied to only two colleges, NYU and Temple University here in Philadelphia. And NYU was such a long shot. I mean, it was crazy. I didn't end up getting in. Honestly, thank God I didn't get in because I'd be drowning in debt right now if I did. Um, I got into Temple University, thankfully, which is one of our amazing schools down here. And at the time, I didn't have a... um, They didn't have a musical theater program, which musical theater was my thing. But I decided... 
that I was going to go to school not for musical theater or theater in general. It was a very interesting decision on my part. I was convinced that I didn't need to have a degree in it in order to pursue the career. And I have to say, for me, I was right. So one thing that was important to me was to connect with the city where I was going to school. So I happened to stay in Philadelphia and I happened to go to a school and, and, and in the city, which is, which was important to me and work with some amazing professors. I got my agent that I still have now through, um, through being at Temple University. Uh, I happened to be lucky. They did not have any musical theater people at the time and they did a show. They did ragtime. And they, it actually kicked off their now thriving musical theater program. And so because I'm a singer, I booked the lead in that in college. And that's how I was able to get my, again, right place, right time, lots and lots and lots of luck. Um, that's how I was able to get my agent. So that kind of, I booked my first commercial job when I was still a senior in, in college, I remember. So that kind of introduced me into the world here in Philadelphia. And we have just the most amazing theater here in the city. Um, we have the Walnut Street Theater, the oldest theater in the country, the largest subscription base in the country. They hire a lot of local people to, um, to, um, staff their shows. Um, and so, you know, it's, um, theater is a tricky business. Uh, I find, um, it is, I find it very difficult to make a living off of theater, especially if you're not going to be traveling constantly and doing theater on the road. So while we have, an amazing theater industry here in Philadelphia. I can't say that it alone will, you know, pay for the bills. Oftentimes the people who do theater here, you know, maybe they do a handful of shows a year in our local, um, in our local uh, area, but they're also teaching or they're coaching or they're, you know, they have some other side gig uh, doing that. For me, I did theater and um, dabbled in the commercial and industrial world, which we have here as well, um, for a little while until I really decided that. Lauren, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're just going to have to pause for one second. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Lauren? Yes. I am so sorry about that. Anyway, um, please go on, you were saying. Sure. So, basically, um, I found that here in Philadelphia, and I I don't know if this is true of New York because I never really dabbled there, but I found it was a little difficult to balance being a theater actor as well as an on-camera television and film actor. So, 
I made the decision for myself a number of years back to just focus on um, commercial and television work. Uh, basically, in other words, casting directors for commercials don't want to hear about your theater conflicts. Theater is live, so unless you've got an understudy in an ex- extremely, you know, understanding situation, you're, you've got to be there. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a live situation. You've got to be there, so it's not like you can book a commercial and just say, oh, I'm, I'm going to miss Saturday night's performance. Like, that's just not the way that it works. So some people balance both of them perfectly fine, and I think that's awesome. For me, I decided it was going to be a little bit too difficult to do both. So um, that being said, I love to be cheeks in the seats for theater because <laughs> theater is my first love. I truly love the art form very, very much. I'm very much a fan of, of you know, getting people out to experience it. And I know as life gets more complicated with TV and streaming and everything else, it, it, the, the live the live arts suffer a little bit. But I'm a big fan of it for sure as far as uh, continuing artistically. But for me, I just, I like the, uh, I like the TV and film industry. So we have here in Philadelphia a number of casting directors. Um, Kiri Casting is one of our larger um, casting directors here. And they, they uh, do a lot of commercial work. A lot of it is non-union. You know, you're not, um, I don't find that being uh, uh, in the unions is all that beneficial here in Philadelphia because we're a smaller market. I'm not in a union myself, so perhaps I'm talking a bit out of turn there. But as far as um, as the unions go, I have not found them to be helpful, even as far as equity goes or SAG or any of that. Um, there's a lot of a lot of non-union work, a lot of industrial um, pharmaceutical type jobs that we have here, um, spokes type work. Again, going back to the spokes thing, uh, there's a lot of spokesperson work um, working for different companies doing that sort of work. Voiceovers, um, we definitely have it here. Uh, you know, voiceovers are tough because again, it's, it's, I think it's a hard industry to, to break into. Once you break into it, it gets a little easier and easier, but, um, yeah, it's a little bit more difficult to, to break into that, but we definitely have it. Like I said, I work with an agent here and, um, when I'm not pregnant, at least, you know, we have pretty regular, uh, auditions and commercials and, Gosh, I've done everything from Sesame Place commercials, playing a mom, to, uh, you know, like I said, pharmaceutical things, playing nurses or doctors or, or whatnot. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting industry, and I have managed to craft a career right here in Philadelphia. Again, I'm a big fan, a big fan of the city, and I think for me, especially having the fact that my husband is from New York and a lot of his friends are still actors living in New York, though... As we all get older and start to get married and, and do these sorts of things, you know, a lot of people are slowly but surely kind of filtering out of the city, um, moving to different markets or, or things like that. It's, um, I, I find through their experience that living in New York can be quite difficult, whereas uh, Philadelphia is just, it's a much smaller town, so it's a lot more manageable. Um, you know, my husband and I can own our house. We have a three bedroom row home with a finished basement and we only pay a thousand dollars a month. <laughs> so then we have three bedrooms, you know, and, um, uh, it's just not the kind of thing that's really possible in New York. If we're talking about that life aspect of, um, um, having a more manageable of lifestyle. And honestly, when I first started in this industry, gosh, I mean, working on 15 years ago, there was this big, pro- like, um, 
New York casting directors, if they found out you were from Philadelphia, they, they wouldn't hire you or they would say, why do you live in Philadelphia? You know, why don't you live in New York? Some people would actually get New York cell phones so that they had the, you know, back when before everyone had a cell phone from everywhere else, if you didn't have the 212 area code or whatever, you might not even get called into the audition, that whole, that whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. I know it's so silly, but it really was a big deal back then. No, it was it was it was famously parodied on Seinfeld too with the area code yes. change. But go on. Yes. Yeah. It was it was really a thing for those of us who lived here and still wanted to work in New York. But here's the truth: I can take a mega bus or a bus yeah. bus or yeah. whatever for nine dollars, eleven dollars. You know what I mean? And get up to New York, lickety split. I mean, I can be there. Very, very easily. My agent could call me today and say you have an audition tomorrow morning, and I can get up there and back in in no time at all. Um, it's an hour and a half if I were to drive. It's you know may, maybe I give myself two hours if I'm taking the bus. Um, you, you know, just depending on traffic and things like that. There's Amtrak. There's New Jersey Transit. I mean, there are so many ways and affordable ways to get in and out of New York if you wanted. Of course, to. New York to yeah. Philly is not a major commute issue no <laughs> it's not it no. really is not no. at all i mean my husband just you know he he's still he's still more auditioning a little bit more in that world than i am um at this point just because i have so much going on but no. yes it's very manageable so for us you know we can live in a place with a reasonable rent or mortgage you know we can start a family we it's just it's just a more manageable place to live and still do this career that we love and that we're good at. Absolutely. Exactly. And, um, you know, as you said, you always wanted to balance, uh, your career goals with other aspects and other goals of your life. And it sounds like you're doing it. And to that end, I have to ask, you know, I'm sure that you and your husband have talked a lot about what will happen as far as uh, your working uh, once you do have the baby. Um, can you touch on that a little bit as far as how you plan to balance things at that point? If you're going to kind of take a couple of years off of all work just to, to be a mom or what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Um, you know, what's really funny. Okay. I'm, I'm not a mom yet, so I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, we're the baby's due in two months and we're, anticipating what life's going to be like once she's here. But the truth is, I, a lot of my friends have, you know, quote-unquote full-time jobs, um, whether that's in an office or my best friend's a dental hygienist, my other friend's a physical therapist, right? They have more what I would, what I would quote as normal jobs, but I don't even like to say that because what does that even mean in this, in this world anymore anyway? But I have to tell you, the fact that my husband and I are both in this industry, we have a ton of flexibility, a re really a ton. Absolutely. Obviously, one of the issues is that oftentimes, and we don't have insurance, right? We pay for our own insurance because we're not employees of, of any companies. So, you know, that's just something that we had to pre-plan and make sure that financially we were set up in a position where we could get the right kind of insurance to be able to have a, a healthy baby and all that jazz. Um, and then also just for me, having enough in, in reserves uh, financially to be able to perhaps take um, some kind of a maternity leave, you know, maybe six weeks off of doing uh, or whatever it ends up being um, off of doing that. So having having some money in the bank to be able to, to account for that. But then after that, I mean, 
Yeah, we, we're just going to keep doing what we do. We have a very flexible schedule. Um, if we end up going back on the auto show circuit, and there are there are couples who have done this, who, do, who are currently doing this on our team that we have learned from, uh, you know, you we take a family member out with us. You know, if, if we've got... Uh, we go to the Boston Auto Show, so we, we bring my aunt up here from Philadelphia with us to watch the baby when we work, and she stays in our hotel room, and we make it work. Um, if if we have a situation where, you know, I have to be honest, it's rare that my husband and I both have a gig at the same time. Right. Um, and even if we do, you know, that's just going to take a little bit of pre-planning and making sure that if a family member or a network of babysitters is available to kind of, kind of, uh, to suffice for that. But, you know, whereas my girlfriends need to utilize daycares, you know, or their parents on a more full-time basis for childcare, we don't really have to do that because the other beautiful thing about our careers is that we set the schedule. You know, we say what we are and are not available for. So um, we just we just somehow magically worked that out together, and I think and I hope that that will translate once that once the baby's here and we can we can make it all work at, at the same time. So I feel very lucky, honestly, that we have that kind of schedule, and that's one thing about this career that maybe unexpectedly is is a benefit. Well, you know, it all sounds great, and I love your your whole attitude and your optimism about the whole thing, and I have no doubt that that's all true. Um, so speaking of, again, your, your diverse career, um, just want to touch on a couple more things. Uh, you, uh, I believe as we discussed a little off the air, another aspect is you teach, uh, according to your website, you work with kids and you also told me you also teach public speaking workshops and coach people on public speaking. Uh, tell me about those things. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of experience in this industry and I started, um, teaching is actually something I wanted to get into quite early. In fact, the, the NYU degree that I was going to take was for educational theater. Um, and unfortunately they were only accepting, I think like four people. So (laughs) I didn't end up getting in. And like I said, I think everything happens for a reason, but Teaching theater has always been something that I wanted to do, and luckily, we have some excellent schools here in Philadelphia. And again, kind of going back to my story with QVC, I was willing to do all the grunt work when I was younger and getting getting into things. So I remember I met uh, a man, John, who runs the Guffin Theater and Film, which is an excellent extracurricular um, acting school for children ages like kindergarten age through 18. And they have this beautiful program. And, you know, I did my research. I met John. I knew what he did. I knew what MacGuffin did. And I just, I just, you know, grew the guts to say, hey, John, I've always wanted to teach. If you have any interning opportunities or you need an assistant, you know, I'll help you. And this is way back when I was, you know, still relatively fresh out of college. And thankfully, John brought me on. And I started eventually teaching. I ran the improv troupe there. I directed a few shows. I directed a comedy camp over the summer. Um, so I worked at that school for a number of years, kind of honing my acting teaching abilities. Um, and I then worked for another um, company called the Theater Arts Center for a little while. Currently, I'm not teaching because, again, at a certain point, you know, into my 30s, there's only so many hours in a day. Sure. <laughs> I can't do everything. Of course. Yeah. So um, the teaching has kind of been pared back. Um, 
And then, yeah, as far as the the public speaking goes, um, I know we were talking about this on air, off air. The person who connected you and I, uh, Bethany Miller. Yeah. Um, I met Bethany and. She actually, this accomplished, amazing, her podcast with you, her conversation with you is amazing. Uh, airline pilot and all these different um, things that Bethany does. She reached out to me, didn't know her that well, had met her uh, through a mutual job that we had together. And she said, hey, you're a really good speaker. You know, could you teach me how to speak <laughs> publicly or, you know, and I I said to her, geez, I've, I've never done this before, but, you know, yeah, if you're willing to 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 be my first pupil, then I'm willing to see what I can do for you. And it was cool. We, we actually crafted a little coaching session over Skype and I helped. I, basically what I discovered was that a lot of the things we learn in acting classes um, are, are very translatable to, you know, people in the corporate world. And then I happened to be at a, um, it was a hospitality management um expo or something at Temple University, my alma mater, I was there running a table for something totally different. But I saw these high, these college seniors who were getting into the hospitality management industry. And they were apparently from uh, what I had heard from a professor of theirs, like the top of their class, like the valedictorian. And <laughs> I have to be honest with you, they really, they gave speeches and they really weren't that good. They weren't standing right. I, I hate to say it. They weren't. No, no. This right. is this is interesting. Yeah, go on. Yep. Yeah, and they weren't projecting, and they seemed nervous, and just all these things. And I, I happened to talk to the guy standing next to me, who happened to be one of their professors. Again, right place, right time. And I, I got into a conversation, and I said, "Okay, so you're one of their professors." I said, "Is anyone teaching them how to public speak?" And he said, well, no, we're all required as teachers to give them opportunities to public speak. But no one teaches them how to public speak. And so I said, you know what, this is something that I can, that I can fix. And I, I created a workshop called Learn to Act Like a Great Public Speaker. And um, essentially using my improv training, my vocal training that I learned from being a singer as well as an actor, breathing techniques. Um, to teach, and, and this professor was kind enough to let me come in and teach two of his hospitality management classes my workshop. So I got to workshop it at Temple for free, you know, just going in, and um, and it was pretty fascinating. And then I was hired by my aunt worked at a corporation, and she said, oh, my gosh, I have a team of six people, and we're all terrified to talk in public. Can you come in and do your workshop? So I crafted it for um, for a corporation at one point as well. Again, it's kind of something in my back pocket that I can always rely, you know, go go to and, and sort of uh, flesh out and, and craft more of if I wanted to. But um, it kind of, you know, uh, life has taken me in other directions. But yeah, I, I it was fascinating to me how beneficial some of the training that we as actors have and take for granted that people in all different industries, lawyers, doctors, people who have to talk on large and small scales, can really benefit from. So. You know, I encourage people out there, if you're really struggling with how to make ends meet as an actor, think of the skills that you have, that you've been honing, that you've been paying for, for how many years now, and what other places they might be applicable. And in this case, you know, probably much more than you're thinking. No, and it speaks to a couple of things, no pun intended. You know, first of all, you're so right, you know, 
people like us kind of take for granted the ability to communicate and even to speak publicly. But there are plenty of people out there who are way more intelligent and educated than us, doctors, whatever, um, you know, but, but they don't have that communication um, skill or, or natural instinct for that. Um, and then just in general, when you were talking about the valedictorian speech stuff, you know, you do notice that, that, you know, a lot of times speeches are either like, they're trying very hard to like have a good rhythm, but it's like awkward because they're trying too hard, you know, it's like forced or, yep. or other things that just come off as kind of unnatural or, or not effective, like you said. So that's great. So. Uh, I'm curious, can you give a couple of bullet points as far as, like, what you teach in that workshop? So, like, how do you, you know, what what are the things you try to, um, you know, how, what, what, how, do you, how do you teach that? <laughs> sure, sure. So, um, I, split, I split it into two things for me. Um, I have a lot of uh, background in improvisation. In fact, Again, if there were more hours in the day and more days in the year, I would love to be on an improv troupe. But you know, that's like that's just amazing to me. And I think that improv, um, whether you take classes, I still try to take classes. I still, I still go with my mentor Sharon, and I take classes with her. Um, it's just so good for you, and it's so good for everyone in any industry. And so part of my workshop is is that you know breaking the ice, just having fun, getting people out of their shells. Um, there's so much that you can do with the many, many improv exercises that, again, those of us in the acting industry, we take the stuff for granted, you know? We've all done the zip-zap-zop and the pass-the-wall, yeah. and, and yeah. they seem like such silly things to us, but for people that are in, you know, more of a... So many people, so many, the majority of people in every industry are paralyzed by talking to people. Not even talk, not even having to give big speeches to crowds. I have had big corporations say, oh, our CEO can't talk. You know, he's got to big, give big speeches and he can't talk. It's, it's not something that they're, that they're trained to do, which completely blows my mind. So part of my, my workshop, and again, not crazy fleshed out, but yeah, I mean, take, take the idea and run with it if you want. Um, part of it is improv, you know, kind of crafting things, getting, Again, you have to remember these are not people. Um, if you're doing it in in some kind of corporate atmosphere, for example, or even in a college where you know they're there to learn about hospitality management, they don't come in thinking they're going to pass an imaginary ball, right? Right. <laughs> so uh, you know, we as actors, that's that's natural for us. So you want to kind of craft it so that it it doesn't seem too out of the box, but almost always, you know, people have a lot of fun with it. So. Using the many different types of improvisation um, to to bring out different aspects of what you need. And then for me, I'm actually a classically trained singer. I started lessons when I was 14 years old. I took a long period. Again, if I had more hours in the day, I would still be training my voice for sure. That's the other thing about our industry. Always be taking classes. Um, I know time and money really become a big, a big uh, factor in that for sure. But boy, if I... If I hit the lottery tomorrow, I'd be taking lots of classes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so part of what I do in the in the public speaking, this is something that I did with Bethany one-on-one as well, is to just talk about some of the tactics that I use as an actor or singer um, to support my voice, right? right? A lot of us have taken speech classes to learn how to support our voices, however that means for you, learning about the diaphragm, taking comfortable breaths. One thing that I, one tip that I always love to give people is if you're, 
you know, nerves, even especially for actors, you know, obviously there's a lot of times we put ourselves in these positions that make us nervous. Um, you know, but even if you're, if you're about to give a speech or run a meeting, you know, with people and be in the spotlight, which is what makes people uncomfortable, you know, our, our body reacts when we're nervous in, in funny ways. My hands get really cold. Some people get clammy. You know, our voice gets shaky. And that takes away from your ability to communicate entirely. I mean, so how many of us have seen a performance or a speech by someone that is visibly nervous? It's very awkward to watch. So one thing I always say that helps me and has often helped a lot of my students is, you know, take a very deep breath blow it all the way out. When you think you've gotten all the air out, keep blowing, get it all the way out, hold for a couple of seconds to the point where your lungs are really screaming for a breath, and then let that comfortable breath in. And at that point, you're, you're almost tr- physically tricking your body because you're, you're getting it to the point where it really needs a breath and it kind of forgets about that other stuff. So maybe do that in the minute before you're about to go on stage or you're about to go give that speech or run that meeting. Use these breath techniques to sort of you know, um, calm your body and get yourself ready. Again, things that we as actors take for granted. We learn this in every acting class that we take. But translating that to, you know, a corporate setting or an educational setting where that's not something that they're used to or getting trained in, um, I found was, was, was quite convenient. Absolutely. And it also is, you know, it alludes to the general thing, and especially these days, of just slow down. Just Slow down, be in the moment, you know, you know, hear the words as they're coming out of your mouth, you know, just, just, you know, slow down. Because <laughs> I think, you know, exactly. in general, and especially in our smartphone culture these days, people have come to, to sort of believe that uh, a faster than normal pace, just of speaking and of life in general, is the new normal. I've noticed this a lot. And sure. you, you kind of have to make an effort to stop and go, no, 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 slow down. You don't realize how fast you're talking. You don't realize that you're not really listening, you know, that right. kind of thing. Well, and that's a great example. So, you know, you asked me what's, what's some of the things you teach. You just came up with a great lesson plan, right? I mean, even just taking that aspect and then fleshing it out into, okay, how can I really – what can I do to, to, to allow my students or my, my person that I'm coaching to practice that aspect, right? So that's basically what it's about. It's essentially taking something that a lot of us as actors do naturally, this great communication, but we also hone it in our classes and, and if we took it in you know high school or college or whatnot, and just learning how to teach that to another person. And it's invaluable. My husband and I joke all the time, again, my motto, I, I love to talk and I found a way to get paid for it, you know, but people have so much issue with communication. And if you can help to spread those skills, it's a very cool way of sharing the thing that you're naturally good at and the thing that you probably spent a lot of time honing yourself. Yeah. And again, it doesn't matter what you do for a living, what, um, you know, uh, what, uh, walk of life you're from. Communication is, a universal necessity. So it's, oh, yeah. it's a great thing. So you said that you're not necessarily doing this actively right now, but I assume if people perhaps are interested in it or maybe want to bring you in for a workshop or a coaching or something on that, can they find information about that and contact you via your website? 
Absolutely. And probably even better than my website would be social media. Okay. I'm definitely active on social media a lot. On Instagram, you can find me at Lauren Rudy QVC. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have a Lauren Rudy for QVC page on uh, Facebook. So great. I would say, you know, I, I have a website. I think websites are great. Um, at this point, though, I feel like as far as instant communication goes, um, social media is definitely the best place to reach out. Sure. And again, I was going to ask you for those anyway, if you wanted to give them. So I'll post those links in the episode notes as well, uh, sure. as well as to your website. So Lauren, this has been uh, really terrific. I think you, you've really given people a lot to think about as far as the example you've lived and are living of, as you said, very intentionally and very purposefully creating the career and life you want and you know people that want to get into acting whether it be the traditional type of acting career or the kind of thing you're doing or all of the above you know whatever it is you can you know figure out how to cultivate your own path and 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 you and you've done it and I you know I think the information and and examples you've you've given uh you know, today are, are going to be very uh, inspiring and helpful to people. Well, thank you. You know, it, it's true. I, I think, I think the the main takeaways are that we all want to do something we're good at, and those of us in this industry are probably in this industry. I would hope because this is what we're good at. This is all we can do. If I could have been a brain surgeon, I would have been a brain surgeon. Right. <laughs> but I'm I'm not that way. Right. Um, so I I found a way to use my talents and my skills. In, in a way that, you know, creates a, a, a lifestyle that I'm comfortable living. And for me, you have to work hard, always work hard. Keep yourself connected. You have to be out there taking the classes, you know, um, talking with the people and, and keeping those connections alive. And and you have to be respectful, like we touched on before. You know, you have to respect the, the gigs that you book and, and the people that you connect to. And I think if you do those two things, at the end of the day, they do start to work out. And I can finally say, even though I'm very type A, you know, I can finally say now that I'm well into my 30s, you know, things do work out. If you work hard and you're respectful and you run your business in a, in a respectful way, then, then things do work out for you for sure. Such, such great wisdom and, and, and great philosophy is very important. So I'm going to end with one final question, which is, you know, again, it sounds like you've always had a good head on your shoulders and you've always been driven. Um, but if you can, we didn't talk too much about your, your background uh, when you were younger or anything. Maybe we'll have you back and do that another time. But um, if you could go back and speak to yourself at 18 or at 21 or something, what, what do you know now that you wish you knew then? What would you tell your younger self if you could talk to her now? Oh wow, that's a good one. Yeah, no, I I I can be thankful that, you know, I definitely have had a good head on my shoulders and I I, I looking back I think I I definitely did do a lot of things right, but I also had a lot of anxiety. <laughs> and I know that that's not exactly an easy thing to contend with for those of us that that are prone to it. But like I said, I th- I think it's really just a recent discovery is that if you if you everything is about sowing the seeds and if you constantly and diligently sow the seeds they will grow for you and i'm very much a person that believes in the power of of thinking positively um and i think that if you 
keep putting that positive, it sounds a little hippy dippy, but if you keep putting that positive energy and that positive light out there and try as best you can to let, you know, whatever bad experiences happen, roll off your back and just breathe and have the confidence that things will go right because you've been working hard and you've been establishing relationships, then believe that it will, it will all go right. And it's something you struggle with for your whole life. I'm happy to say that at this age, if I could tell my 18 year old self that I would, I don't know if she would listen (laughs) or really, or really absorb it. It might just be something that comes with age, but yeah, if you make the right moves and you're just a respectful, good human being, um, things do, things do work out and you have to have the confidence, you know, just wake up on the right side of the bed every day. I know that's easier said than done. And thankfully I'm, I'm a naturally positive person and I know not everybody's that way, but Positivity really breeds positivity, you know, and whatever you can do to make that uh, a forefront in your life and sort of keep yourself as calm as you can about it, uh, the better. You know, life is short and long at the same time. Wow. wow. So, so well said. And what a, what a perfect set of notes to go out on. So thank you so much. Again, we'll post your links and everything we referred to uh, in the episode notes. Uh, and for everybody listening, if you want to reach me about the podcast for any reason, you can just email craft business life podcast. That's all one word craft business life podcast at gmail.com. And that's it. Lauren Rooney, thank you again so much. And thanks everybody for listening. And until uh, next time, bye bye. <laughs>